You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Have you been naughty or nice? I just blew into the podcasting pod here on the 23rd floor of the Washington Mutual Building in downtown Seattle. Fortunately, the Washington Mutual Building doesn't exist anymore, but here we still are spiritually at home in the Washington Mutual Building. Just blew in from the airport. Uh, I flew uh, within seven days of Christmas. I flew the week of Christmas when the whole world is flying and, you know, as a frequent flyer, as somebody who gets gifts at Christmas time from airlines, which is really weird to come home and there's a present for you from Delta, which is an indication that you fly too fucking much. But as someone who gets gifts from airlines, I, I'm in this horrible position of being simultaneously impatient with and jealous of all the inexperienced flyers. Jealous of because I would like to fly less than I do. I would love to be an inexperienced flyer. I would love to not know my hole from an ass in the ground at the airport. I would love to be one of those people who can stand in that long line for 40 minutes and then realize after I've watched everybody else in America remove their belt and shoes and jacket that I have to as well. I would love to be that person, but I am not that person. But I try to be patient with those people. This morning at LAX, I helped a woman who was flying with three small children get through the line. I helped her put her bags up, walked her through, helped her out. You know, I'm, I'm not an asshole. But oh my god, flying at Christmas, flying at Christmas sucks so hard. And here's my awkward pivot to not Christmas topic at all, just something that I want to say about flying. Everyone bitches about flight attendants. Everybody bitches about gate agents. Everybody bitches about everyone who works for airlines. And I encounter nothing but kind and decent people doing kind of thankless jobs uh, that they don't get paid a shitload of money to do who go out of their way to be generous and chill. Every once in a while there's a rude one. Yeah, I've encountered one or two rude flight attendants in the years that I've been flying. But they're – overwhelmingly really kind and nice and I – on behalf of – I have a couple of friends who are flight attendants. So maybe I'm biased but on behalf of all of the flight attendants who have attended me in flight, I just want to say fuck off to all of you people constantly bitching about flight attendants and gate agents. It's an – it's – it's getting on my nerves. So this Christmas, ho, 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 let's all make a Christmas resolution the week before our New Year's resolutions. Not to bitch about the flight attendants and the gate agents and all these people who are just trying to schlep your ass and the asses of your children from one end of the country to the other. Because you're not going to get anywhere bitching at a flight attendant. doesn't get you anything. They can't help that your flight was delayed. They can't help that you got a middle seat. So just – Knock it the fuck off. Let's have a little Christmas miracle in America and stop bitching about the flight attendants and the gate agents who really bear the brunt of the assholery in airports. I once watched a guy scream and yell at a gate agent. 
because he was late for his flight and the gate and the door had closed and he missed it. So that was clearly her fault. Just blew up at her and I watched that happen. And then I walked up and I reached into my bag and I pulled out some chocolates and I slid them across the counter and I said, I think you need one of these. What a fucking asshole. And she smiled and upgraded me to first class. So be nice to the gate agents because you never fucking know. Sorry that was really random, but I just got off an airplane. Your call's after this. ExtremeRestraints.com would like to wish all of the Savage Lovecast listeners out there a happy holidays. If you're resolving to explore your sexuality in 2013, Extreme Restraints has the gear to support that resolution no matter how kinky or vanilla you are. You can take an extra 10% off ExtremeRestraints.com's already low prices with coupon code EXPLORE2013. Double that discount for 20% off at Extreme Restraints if you use EXPLORE2013 by Sunday. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, the other day, my brother asked me to go get his phone from upstairs. I said, okay, I want to get his phone. Um, his phone was in the charger when I unplugged it and unlocked itself. And because he doesn't have like a password or anything on it, so it just unlocked and um, I saw that it was open to some porn. And being a teenage boy, my first response was to browse this porn and see if there was anything I liked. And what I found was something kind of, well, really concerning. Um, I found some pictures of my brother's ex-girlfriend, topless on his phone. My brother broke up with this girl a few years ago, um, and since then, she has tried to get back with him a few times, even though she's tried to get over him, and he has said that he doesn't have feelings for her and would just rather be friends. Uh, however, this girl still had a very large crush on him, even though he has told her multiple times that he uh, doesn't like her that way and only wants to be friends. And um, if the pictures are on his phone and he asked her to take her top off to take these photos, then he'd be taking advantage of her feelings for him. These pictures were taken recently, like a week ago. And what I'm uh, wondering is uh, if you have any advice on how to talk to either of these people about this and um, just like stress how not okay it is and stuff like that. And the reason why I'm calling to ask you for advice on how to talk to them about that is because of how it would be difficult for me to talk to these people. You see, this girl, um, she would probably be the type of person to kind of almost cover for him in a way. Uh, she would, I can imagine her saying things like, oh, it's okay, like, I don't mind. Even though she herself might be kind of aware that he was taking advantage of her feelings for him. And with my brother, he's the type of guy to, that justifies his bullshit quite often. And the thing is, we're twins. Therefore, there's no balance of power between us. I can't do the older sibling thing where I say, you have to listen to me. And if there's anything resembling a balance of power between us, it's in his favor. Because 
Okay, you can't do the Big Brother thing. Here's the thing you should do. The butt the fuck out thing. The none of your business thing. Oh, you found your brother's phone and it wasn't locked. You know, and it was open to porn. No, you opened your brother's phone, a phone that's left alone somewhere. You have to press the button, slide the thing. You have to open it. Even if there's no passcode, you have to open it and look around. Your obsession with your brother and what he may or may not be doing with his dick is a little creepy. Your brother's relationship with his ex and whether that's a manipulative relationship, whether he's abusing his ex, whether he's conning her into sending him pictures – All of that could be true. All of that has not one goddamn thing to do with you and you wouldn't know about it or or feel in any way morally obligated to intervene if you had respected your brother's privacy and saved the fuck out of his phone. Ah! Put your brother's dick down and back slowly away from your brother's dick. Got it? Good. Hi, Dan. I am an 18-year-old straight female. And I have been wanting to ask a guy out. I've been friends with him for about four years now. And when I first met him, he was already in a relationship. So I obviously, you know, backed off, didn't want to screw things up with her her and him. But now they've broken up. And I want him to ask him out. But I'm worried that if I'm too direct about it, I'll scare him off and that'll screw our whole friendship. But then I'm worried that if I, you know, just I keep dropping hints. But he doesn't seem to be getting the message, and I'm worried that he's then going to go off and find somebody else, and then I'll be in the same boat I've been for the past few years. And also, if we do end up in a relationship, I have this thing, and it's mostly just is hygienic, and it can just make it sound weird, but I don't like giving BJs, but I'm all for cunning lingus. So is that just going to automatically like ache what in his I am sexually active with somebody is that going to automatically be a problem or does it does depend on how much of a dick they are about that you need to go ahead and risk screwing this friendship up because this friendship uh, is based on really a false premise that you're interested in him as a friend uh, and you may like him well enough but you are interested in him romantically and I'm sure that whatever hints you've dropped, he has picked up on unless he is particularly dense, which some men are. So ask him the fuck out. Lay your cards on the table. If that screws up your friendship, so be it. You're not going to want to hang around with him if he's not interested in you that way, not interested in you romantically. When he has moved on to his next girlfriend, you're really not going to be interested in his friendship any longer because the only reason you've been sort of hanging out and being friendly was in anticipation of – him being single again so that there you would be uh, like in a rom-com, the girl with the glasses who was standing there beside him all of the time and love was right there. He just couldn't see it, blah, blah. Unlikely to happen in real life but hey, sometimes it happens. Ask him the fuck out. Maybe he's dense. I doubt it. Uh, you're probably going to hear what you don't want to hear and the friendship will be over but it wasn't really a friendship. It was a stratagem, not a friendship. As for the Conalingus thing. So you like to have your pussy eaten but you don't like to suck dick. Will that be a problem? Yeah, it will be a problem for guys who like to have their dicks sucked, particularly guys who believe that oral uh, involves some reciprocity. Uh, But there are guys out there who really love to eat pussy and aren't really so much into having their dicks sucked. There are guys out there who really don't dig blowjobs. Blowjobs don't do it for them and some of those guys love to eat pussy and would rather orally service you than have your mouth anywhere near their dicks. You can go find one of those guys. The chances 
uh, that this guy is into you, A, that's, you know, probably slim because I'm not like shitting on you or saying you're a bad person. The chances that average, you know, one random person selected is going to be into another random person selected, always pretty slim. Most people aren't into most people. So the chances that he's into you already pretty slim. The chances that he's one of those rare guys who loves to eat pussy but doesn't like to have his dick suck, also pretty slim. But you're not going to know the answer to either of those questions until you just fucking hit on him already. Over up. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Violet Blues, The Ultimate Guide to Fellatio, Second Edition, How to Go Down on a Man and Give Him Mind-Blowing Pleasure. Violet Blue is a terrific sex writer. Uh, she has her own blog, tinynibbles.com. Um, she's super smart about sex and I'm sure this book is excellent as is Violet Blue's Ultimate Guide to Cunnilingus Second Edition, How to Go Down on a Woman and Give Her Exquisite Pleasure. I'm getting Terry two copies for Christmas. For that free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. So I'm calling you in regards the fact that I feel immense guilt over my past and I need your help to either shake me out of it or figure out a way to get over it. Um, I went through a very rough teenage years from 16 to 19. I went through some very, very rough things. I won't get into it, but they are pretty intense things that I went through and so I was quite promiscuous and irresponsible and didn't really have parents around to really raise me or teach me any different. And so I had to learn things on my own. And I didn't feel guilty or resentment for any of these things until recently when I had started a relationship with my long-term relationship with my boyfriend. Uh, We've been together almost two years. I am almost 23 years old now, so I still am young. But I feel this guilt of what I had done, how many men I had slept with and the things that I had done and the partying and everything that I had done in my teenage years. And I find myself wishing I could go back and erase all those things that I did. But I remember you telling um, previous callers that they should feel that that's what led them to who they are now. But I just, I can't get over it. My boyfriend in the first part of our relationship made me feel very guilty about it as well, so I have a feeling that's a part of it. Uh, my question is, is how do I how do I get over this? How do I let it go? How do I just let myself believe that it was just learning experiences? I just can't. I feel this wrenching guilt, especially to my boyfriend who had only had a handful, like a, barely a handful of partners, and I've had quite more than that. I want to spend my life with him and I want to marry him someday. So I just want to be able to let it go and get rid of it. So if you can give me any words of advice or words of wisdom or tell me to get the hell over it and shut up, that would be great. Thank you. Know thyself, the Greeks told each other. And now tell us, the ancient Greeks, know thyself. And there are different ways that we come to self-knowledge and self-awareness, sometimes by trial and error. Sometimes we realize who we really are 
by doing things that really aren't us. And that's how you learned that, you know, the fast lane or many, many, many partners and the way you live between 16 and 19 isn't what you wanted, isn't who you are. But you learned by doing, you learned through trial and error. And so you need to realize and accept that you wouldn't be who you are now, you wouldn't be in the place you're at now, you wouldn't be with the person you're with now. But for those experiences between age 16 and 19, but for those mistakes, you went and did it all wrong, realized that – wrong for you. You went and did it all wrong for you, realized you shouldn't – couldn't live like this. It wasn't making you happy. It wasn't what you wanted and you shifted. So your journey to self-acceptance is just recognizing that you had to put your hand on the stove before you realized how fucking hot that stove was and that you didn't want to stand there with your hand on the fucking stove. As for your boyfriend, as for moving past this – It'll be hard to move past this if you sense that he's always looking at you and thinking, slut, you say that he laid a big guilt trip on you when you first met. A lot of guys have hangups and insecurities about being with women who've had more experience and more sex partners than they've had. If he's one of those guys, however much you love him, however much you would, might like to spend your life with him, being with him, if he can't get past that, if he can't love and accept you and let it go as well – is just having someone in the room who's going to continually pick at your scabs. It's just going to extend the life of your self-recrimination and you know painful self-consciousness about this stage in your life and the guilt. So you both have a little work here to do. You have to accept that you wouldn't be who you are but for those experiences. You like who you are now so you kind of have to embrace those experiences. You kind of have to acknowledge that however – wrong they were for you. In the end, they were right for you. In the end, they helped you get where you are now. And he needs to accept that too. He wouldn't be with you. You wouldn't be his girlfriend but for those experiences. So he should on some level be grateful for you having made those mistakes when you did because you wouldn't be where you are, which is with him but for those mistakes. So either he knocks it the fuck off and apologizes for the way he treated you or guilted you in the first six months or you move the fuck on and you find a guy who either doesn't have that stupid, cliche, misogynistic, slut-shaming male hang-up that so many straight men do about wanting to be with somebody who's never been with anyone else or at the very least has been with fewer or you find a guy who has had a similar journey to yours and you guys then have a base level where it's – Meaningless. You know, he had his wild slut phase. You had your wild slut phase. Now you're doing something else. So you lay that out for your boyfriend. Either forgive, forget and apologize for the way you acted for the first six months and never bring it up again or throw it in my face again or you're out and I'm going to find a better partner and someone who can love me for who I am now, which is tied to who I was then. ExtremeRestraints.com would like to encourage you to ring in the new year with a shiny new cock ring, fucking machine, clit pump, or whatever it was that you've always wanted to try. It's almost 2013. It's time to stop worrying about what all the other closet kinksters around you might think and explore your sexuality. Get a butt plug. Get a dildo. Pick up a strap-on harness. Explain to your partner how you want to be spanked and with what. Try achieving a hands-free orgasm through electrosex. You might be shy about what turns you on, but Extreme Restraints probably already has a wide selection of toys that fit your kink and at great prices. You can save an extra 20% if you enter the coupon code EXPLORE2013 at checkout by Sunday. And if you're listening to this podcast late, EXPLORE2013 still gives you 10% off your entire order at any time. Hi, Dan. Um, this is Ursula. Um, 
I'm saying my name only because it sounds like a sea witch, which is my problem. Um, I am engaged to a very darling boy um, that I've been dating for at least five years, and he has a daughter from a previous relationship that he has very little contact to, but I get to see her once a month. Um, Every once in a while, I will go up and visit her, and she wants to steal me away and bring me up to a private bedroom and wants me to play like the little mermaid with her because my name is Ursula, I'm assuming. But she likes to get her hands tied up and then she proceeds to <laughs> pull down her pants and wants me to spank her. And of course, I like freak out and try to run down. And I end up lying to the family downstairs and tell them that she's just really upset and tell me to come upstairs and take care of her. So I'm wondering what do I do in this situation? Do I continue to keep it a secret because she asked to keep it a secret with me? Do I calmly tell her that this is really inappropriate? I don't know what to do. And I can't really talk to the family about it. I don't want to talk to her dad about it because I know he'll freak out and then he will get mad at her mother and um, it'd be one more reason to make relationships hard. Either something's happening here or nothing is happening here. It could be that this girl has been exposed to inappropriate pornography or has been sexually abused in some way and you know, her asking you to, to do this with her uh, you know, was really kind of outing that and then you have a responsibility to do your due diligence and follow through in case something is happening. It's also possible that nothing's happening. It's possible that she's seen people getting tied up in comic books and on television and in cartoons and you know, I have friends who had a, a kid who growing up was obsessed with being spanked because he wasn't spanked and he'd heard about spanking and he thought that was really intriguing that other kids were spanked and he would ask adults to spank him when he was very young but nothing was happening. You have to go to your boyfriend and have a conversation where you say, she asked me to do this and it could mean something, could mean nothing but we should run it to ground because if something's up. If she is being abused in some way and there's nothing about what she laid out that was explicitly sexual and you should emphasize that to your boyfriend. She didn't ask you to penetrate her. She didn't ask to get undressed. She wasn't rubbing herself. She wasn't sexualizing this. This could just be old Batman reruns that she saw with Eartha Kitt dressed up like a dominatrix and Robin all tied up. You don't know what's going on here. I think there is cause for concern, not necessarily cause for alarm. If this was a more explicitly sexual request uh, from a seven-year-old girl, I would be alarmed. That it's just cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians kind of you know, drama play with perhaps an erotic overlay, that could be coming from inside her. A lot of people who are adult kinksters began their explorations, began having these impulses and desires as children and would you know, throw things like this out there unaware that it was creeping the adults out who had more knowledge about the ways in which adults explore these things. And we're bringing adult attitudes to what could be for a child sort of pre-sexual, slightly erotic play. And maybe she's asked for adults to do these things with her in the past, you know, with her mother 
uh, where she lives most of the year and been shamed about it and been yelled at about it. So that's why she asked you to keep it a secret, not because there's abuse going on but because these interests actually come from her and she's already been shamed about it. So she she's realizes something up with them, something wrong with them in the eyes of a lot of authority figures in her life. I'm sorry that this is going to be ugly and hard for you and that your boyfriend may freak out. You have to beg him not to turn this into a point of conflict or you know, point scoring with his ex, that the concern is this child and something could be going on or nothing could be going on. But you need to look into it cooperatively. Dad and mom together need to run this to ground and look into it and make sure that nothing's up and accept that sometimes kids initiate this kind of play all on their own without anybody – putting it in their heads. Hey, Dan. Uh, 22-year-old straight male here. And I had a question about sexual uh, endurance. Um, typically, I only last about a minute or two. Um, if I'm in a relationship with a girl, um, it's not as big of a deal. I mean, I trust her um, and like, I'm comfortable with her. I have no problem finishing her off uh, anyway, so she's on the same place I am. But um, I said a question about, like, new girls that I'm meeting. Um, like, recently, for instance, I was with a girl and we were hooking up, and I could definitely tell she wanted to go farther, but um, I felt like if she had put her hand down there, then things would have been over pretty quickly because I was reaching that state. Um, I don't know. I just didn't want to make a bad first impression with her. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't have an issue, like, finishing her off, like, so she's happy to. I just don't want to make a bad first impression with a girl that I started hanging out with. I don't see a way out here except for the truth that you know if she's grabbing at your dick and having your dick grabbed at may cause you to blow your load prematurely, even more prematurely than you might otherwise. That's info that you just kind of have to toss out there. Don't touch my dick. You're not allowed to touch my dick. Throwing that out there without any explanation is going to make her wonder what's up with your dick. Uh, and could be more concerning to her, you know, she's going to imagine worse than sometimes I have a hair trigger and if you fondle me while we're making out, I'm going to blow my load now. She'll imagine worse. She'll think something's up. She may go to you have an STI or someplace else and that will really pull her out of the moment. But you telling the truth like, hey, you know, you're so hot, like just being with you. Uh, you know, sometimes I come right away, so you have to be really careful with my dick. Roll that out and make it wrap it in a compliment and roll out the truth. That partly it's about how insanely hot she is, and partly it's about the fact that uh, you have a hair trigger, and so she needs to grope carefully. Hi, Dan, thirty-four year old straight guy from London, England. Um, so I have a conflict with my friends who keep saying that I'm crazy for doing what I do and I'd like to get your opinion on it. So I'm kind of looking for a girlfriend. I, I, um, I date a lot and usually I end up rejecting the girl because, um, she doesn't fulfill one of my expectations. That's, that's kind of a common pattern. Now, most people kind of vaguely know what their expectations are in a prospective partner. Uh, I'm a bit different here. I have mine clearly hammered out in a spreadsheet and I give different numerical weights to topics like uh, sense of humor, intelligence, good looks, reliability, ambition, and so on and so on. And I have a whole calculation process behind it. Now, there's a total of around 15 different aspects that matter to me most. And every new girl I meet, I, I kind of score on this list and I give her points. And then if a certain average is not met or she scores very low in one of the categories, I don't meet her anymore. 
Now, of course, I'm careful not to judge too early, and often you, of course, cannot tell how reliable or compassionate, for example, someone is. But, you know, in, in many areas, you, you can tell. So um, not only, I think is this a use, very useful tool for me, not only in evaluating prospective partners, it also was very useful in my self-discovery process because I rated my previous girlfriends on it. And after the fact, I realized why I ended the relationships with them, which, uh, and all this helped me discover what is important to me and what isn't. Uh, my friends say that this really prevents me from finding true love because I'm pressing humans into a spreadsheet, uh, to which I say, oh, everyone does that. They just do it vaguely, you know, imprecisely and in their head only. I only apply a little bit of method and rigor to this analysis that everyone does. Uh, but of course, still, I do have doubts, you know. Can it, I wonder, can it really be that by rationalizing this process so much, I keep myself from finding true love, which is, of course, what I want to. And does the fact that I always do the dumping and I'm never the dumpy have to do with this, you think? Uh, just so you know, I, I have had long relationships in my life and, and, and enough experience otherwise, so I'm not a weird loner or anything. Uh, and I'm really flexible. And I'm sure that if one girl really blew me away, I would probably throw the spreadsheet out of the window. But I mean, how honestly, how often does that happen? And I also know very well that you hate it when people want their partners to be perfect. I don't want my partner to be perfect. I just simply have high expectations. So I'll be very interested in your opinion on this. Does a spreadsheet prevent me from finding true love? Oh my God, where to begin? True love isn't something you find. It's not something you trip over. It's not a buried treasure chest. True love is something that you're capable of. It's something that comes from inside you and something that you draw out of someone else. It isn't something you're going to trip over. It's not a tree root or a curb. You're not going to find it. You're capable of it or you're not. And I think that your program, your spreadsheet – it uh, doesn't prove that you're incapable of loving. It's just complicating your journey, your ability to love someone because you're making judgments and assigning you know, numerical scores and weighting the whole thing and running these poor women who date you through this program that isn't how life and emotion really work. You may find while you're dating someone that they seem – incapable of empathy or lacking in empathy and it's actually your feelings for them uh, over time that draw the empathy out that was you know nurtures it and brings it out and that it wasn't there uh, and then suddenly it is you may be breaking up with women who if you had stayed with them and continued to date them you would have discovered those qualities that you assigned a number to early on and felt were lacking were there all along it just took some time for you to perceive them and discover them and to recognize them in her. And so uh, I think what your spreadsheets are doing is it's, they're, they're prompting you to make snap judgments about people. And as I've always said, settling down requires settling for. You're not going to find somebody who meets all your criteria in all areas. You are going to have to unless – you want to be alone all your life unless this useful tool of yours is a tool that you are using to ensure being single for the rest of your life, you're going to have to accept someone with flaws and deficiencies in areas that you might have liked them to be scoring 100 percent. Maybe they're scoring 40 percent or 60 percent. And let me just say that you aren't all that either, that I'm sure you have flaws and shortcomings. Part of what makes love true is that you love someone 
despite their flaws and shortcomings and in time you come to love them in some ways for their flaws and shortcomings because you can take the edge off those flaws and shortcomings because you can help them you know not complete them i don't think two people are a perfect match but sometimes the most profound expression of true love is to see someone for all their flaws with all their faults and love them anyway now, you're only 34. A lot of people are single at 34. So it could just be that you haven't met somebody that's worth settling for yet uh, and that may happen and it could just be a coincidence that you've got this weird spreadsheet that you funnel women through and reject them um, and that's not why you're single. But I don't think that making judgments early in a relationship, assessing women in this really kind of cold, computer programmy way – uh, is helping you in your search. I think you need to give people more time and you need to recognize that you are going to wind up with someone who isn't everything that you wanted in every respect. And you know what? The person who winds up with you is also going to wind up with someone that isn't everything she wanted in every aspect either. That's what true love is. True love is loving somebody despite their shortcomings and faults in exchange for the same treatment. Hey, Dan. Uh, my name is James, and I just turned 20 a couple weeks ago. I first started becoming sexually active early this spring, and uh, since then I've been making the same mistakes over and over. Before this year, I never really got attention from guys, and that was fine because I was focused more on college and friends and family and all that jazz. But since then, since I lost my virginity, I started exploring other guys that are out there, the first few guys I found were really nice, and uh, we generally got along, and then he initiated sex, and I didn't really object to it, even though I knew it was probably too soon, i.e. one day. I guess in my tiny little immature brain, I thought, hey, sex has some positive correlation with wanting a relationship with someone, right? No. Uh, so basically, these guys all eventually excommunicated me. As soon as they fucked me, that itself is disappointing because, hey, I can't keep a guy around even when I give him what he wants. I would eventually get over them and made mental notes to watch out in the future for guys who facade fucking flee. This problem never really went away and is slowly chipping away at me because each time I want to try and make more of a relationship, I would completely be swayed by nice words and kind gestures. They would sleep with me and then never speak to me again. Uh, this in turn lowers my self-esteem by a notch, which is then raised by the next guy with nice words and gestures and on and on in a positive feedback loop. So right now I'm at the point where I'm starting to become more detached with guys that I meet, uh, not really expecting much out of them or what will happen in the future. I self-reflect on my actions, and honestly, I'm not too happy with myself because I feel like a huge whore with legs wide open and a stupid, dopey, innocent grin that just screams, hey, you can take advantage of me because I won't know that you did until you're gone. I just feel so stupid for falling for the same thing over and over. Uh, so, yeah. Do I need a break from guys because obviously I'm not ready for a relationship? Or is there another way to break the cycle? Because I really do want to know what it feels like to be in an actual relationship. 
let this call be a lesson to all those straight women out there who think gay men are nicer than straight men. Hear that all the time from straight women who are like, oh, why can't straight men be more like gay men? Gay men are also nice and kind and polite and friendly and not trying to get into our your pants. That's why you think we're nice and kind. Gay men treat other gay men often uh, – all too often, consistently so, the way straight men treat straight women. Straight women, a lot of them with gay friends, think gay guys are just so awesome and nice because gay guys aren't fucking them. If you were being fucked by gay guys, you would have a more nuanced opinion about – Gay men. Okay, caller. I'm really sorry. You're 20. You're young, uh, and you've been taken advantage of, and guys are after you, and that's good. You're in uh, demand. What you need to do is shift your perspective and see that you are really in the power seat here. Uh, that guys are attracted to you, guys are after you, guys are into you, and you can take your pick. You can wait. You can make getting to know you, getting to know all about you, a condition of getting to blow you or get in your pants or fuck your ass. So what you need to do if you're going to meet guys on Grindr or anywhere else is you need to say not into hookups, not looking to jump into bed right away with anyone, looking to date, looking for a relationship. And guys who want what you want, guys who want a boyfriend are likelier to approach you. Likelier to send you a message, say hi, ask you out. You will still be approached by guys who are only after sex. What you need to do is just like the caller at the top of the show, look at what's been going on in your life and see if you can't spot a pattern, if there's not a way that the guys who are only interested in sex betray that to you uh, so that you can weed those guys out. Uh, and you won't always be able to weed those guys out successfully. So don't beat yourself up if you – are used like this again. And sometimes people are genuinely interested in somebody else and they're sincere about maybe wanting to date and they go to bed for the first time and they realize the chemistry isn't there, the sex isn't there, it doesn't work and that kind of blows it. Not because you do sex wrong but because you guys aren't sexually compatible or you don't click. It's not about blame or fault. And so if you – somebody romances you and you date for a while and you have sex that first time and then they kind of – pull back or disappear, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were shitbag liars that whole time, although they might have been. It could just be that you guys weren't compatible. They're less likely to disappear without a word if you have some sort of ongoing relationship. And let me tell you, you know, if guys are running at you and after you, you can erect a barrier that, you know, you could set the bar a little higher and not go to bed with them that first time and not listen to their pretty words or listen to their pretty words and roll around and make out and then put your hand on their chest and push them back and say, that's all for now and I'm going home. OK? You have power here and now you have some experience under your belt and look to that experience. See if you can't see a common denominator that all the guys who are just after your dick had so that you can weed those guys out in the future but not beat yourself up if you wind up in bed with a guy like that again. And finally – in defense of one-night stands, there's a lot of people out there who are in relationships of many years standing, myself included, that began with a one-night stand. So jumping into bed with someone doesn't necessarily mean that no relationship could possibly ever come of it. I'm not telling you to do what wasn't working for you. It wasn't working for you, jumping into bed with guys. So don't do it. Date and make them wait and see if your luck doesn't change. But you're 20 years old. People at your age, the caller at the top of the show, 16 to 19, made a bunch of mistakes, learned, is now doing it differently. You made some mistakes, you learned doing it differently now. You're going to start doing it differently now. Don't beat up on yourself about it, OK? Don't let it shred your self-esteem. And remember, men are pigs. 
They really are gay or straight. Men are pigs. You're a man. Try not to be a pig. But recognize that when you're dating, you're in the pork aisle. A couple of quick program notes before we get to this week's comments. Uh, last week, we took a really heavy call from a guy who was struggling with his pedophilia. He was attracted to children. He'd been molested by his brother who was also a pedophile who also who then committed suicide. And he was self-medicating and we talked about the drugs that he was self-medicating with and we called them androgens. Actually, they are anti-androgens. Um, anti-androgens lower sex drive. Androgens might raise someone's sex drive. So if anyone out there was listening to the show and had a problematic sexual urge that you wanted to treat, you don't want to treat it with androgens. You want to treat it with anti-androgens. Not that people should be self-medicating. That was another issue we didn't talk about with Dr. James Cantor. It's generally a really bad idea for people to self-medicate. Generally a really bad idea to get drugs off the internet because you don't really know what you're going to get. There's a lot of counterfeit prescription drugs that circulate uh, out there and a lot of them are sold and resold online. Um, and it's just dangerous to self-medicate. As Dr. Cantor would point out at this juncture in my comments, a lot of pedophiles have no choice but to self-medicate because it's too dangerous for them to go and seek help, particularly in the United States where in many places there are uh, mandatory reporting laws that could nuke someone's life uh, who hasn't done anything, who hasn't harmed a child and is looking for the help and support and even the medication that they need to avoid harming a child. Um, so with that caveat, please don't self-medicate. Let's recognize there are some people out there who the law is set up in such a way that they have no choice but to self-medicate. Right, we have a couple of calls about that topic. Um, they're heavy. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to the man in episode 321 who is a pedophile struggling not to molest and is suicidal. I want to say to you, please don't kill yourself. You are worthy of life and you need to live and here's why. I have a seven-year-old son, and while neither him nor I have ever been molested that I know of, I am sometimes consumed with fear that he will be. Judging by the news, I'm afraid to send him to football practice or church or Boy Scout camp. Before I had him, I was guardedly anti-capital punishment. Now I think Jerry Sandusky and people like him should be waterboarded and stoned to death. So I was prepared to hate you at the beginning of your call, but that quickly gave way to intense sympathy and even admiration for you. You are fighting so hard against your desire that you would take your own life to prevent hurting someone. But you need to live because you need to spread the message you did when you called Dan that pedophiles don't have to molest. There are people like you who struggle not to hurt people and that there are ways to decrease those urges. Okay, don't kill yourself because I need your help protecting my son and the other kids. Because if even one pedophile was impacted by your call to get meds or help, and that resulted in that one person not molesting a child he otherwise would have, then you saved that child. Okay, so take your meds, do what you need to do to not molest, and spread that message. Start a blog, write a book, whatever you need to do. And know that you are worthy of life. I just wanted to call in response to a gentleman who called as a pedophile, um, was attracted to kids. And I just wanted to say that um, I feel his pain. I am not similarly afflicted, um, but my boyfriend is. And I've seen the shame and the uh, pain 
that he goes through or has gone through because of um, this interest that he has. But there's hope out there. I mean, my 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 partner is not. Um, it's not his exclusive sexual interest, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't be dating a 29-year-old. But there, there are people out here who will love you for the other things about you. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to episode 321 about the sister who doesn't know what to feel about her sister. I found out two Aprils ago that not only were my brother and sister-in-law getting a divorce, but that my brother had also slept with someone else while they were separated, didn't tell that woman they were separated. I, I loved my brother, but I felt the same thing about I loved my sister-in-law a lot. I really hoped she was the one for him, and it was really hard for me. Um, but when I met my sister and my new sister-in-law, she was very, very kind and very apologetic and wanted to make sure I had the right impression. And I guess my advice for this sister is just that, yeah, meet this guy. Have a drink with him. And he's probably going to feel more nervous because he's going to be worried about her judgment. And maybe he did make a stupid choice, like you said, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a horrible person forever. I'm going to see my sister-in-law again Friday. They've had baby number two, and they're really happy together. So it's like you said, you never know. But I would tell the sister to feel what she needs to feel, talk to people about it, but give them a chance. And we're going to leave it there. Merry Christmas, everybody. Sorry, we didn't really plan for a Christmassy show, so uh, sorry we're all over the map. And me and all the techs I've yet rescued are struggling with the flu right now as we record our ho, 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 depressing Christmas show. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Please give us a buzz and leave a comment or question for the new year. If you want to comment on this week's show, on a particular show, you can also comment at thestranger.com slash lovecast. There's a dedicated comment thread for every show. Often the callers whose questions we've taken on the show will jump in those comment threads and participate in the discussion. So if you want to be a part of that discussion or if you have advice that you'd like to offer to the people that I've offered advice to on the show today, feel free to jump in. 206-201-2720 is the number. Give us a call. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian, me, and the tech savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.